0: Landline radio, landline radio, high energy, no
1: filter. Oh yeah! All
0: right, folks, we're back here. I'm uh, joined by uh, Karina Waller, the executive director of the Ted Stevens Foundation. Hi, Jeff. What's happening?
1: Uh, enjoying the beautiful weather outside.
0: It is. Uh, it's been hot this summer. I tell you what.
1: It's been hot. My husband and I used to live in Washington, D.C., and this summer reminded us of being back there in the summertime. Thank it God, was hot.
0: Thank God we don't have the humidity, though.
1: Right. But there were a couple weeks there around 4th of July where it was like a wall of heat.
0: I, I was uh, th- that weekend hiking Kasugi Ridge. Oh, yeah. And it was like 90-some degrees on the ridge. It was just miser- and the mosquitoes in the morning and at night were just murder.
1: Yeah. We were floating, actually, uh, the Talkeetna River
0: during oh, that time so nice.
1: yeah it was great at least
0: you had some water
1: we had some water and we camped out at clear creek so which was perfect because we could swim in the creek you needed to it was 90 degrees outside so yeah when i was on the really nice. I,
0: I um we camped one night near a big creek huge and there was a little area where it went down there was kind of a big pool that had, had been formed so right. i just literally the water was cold freezing but i just sat in there for like an hour i just literally and I was, wearing my, I was wearing my speedo and some it was right near the trail and at one point this family came like family of four with two kids came by and mom was like don't look at him don't look at him
1: well at least you had your speedo on yeah i mean i was like i was fine like,
0: i don't know what they were worried about it was just
1: olympians wear them
0: i'm not an olympian though. No. that's probably what they were worried about um, so I've met you I'm trying to think years ago, some political function right, and
1: various fundraisers here and there
0: around and you um you're with the Ted Stevens Foundation, so I want to talk about a bit about that and okay. what, what you guys do, but let's go way back, oh okay. back in time. you actually were an intern for Senator Stevens
1: I was uh so Senator Stevens from the time he went into office in nineteen sixty eight. Uh, had a robust internship program and he would take high school students and college students from Alaska and have them come work for him in DC. So in, I'm going to date myself here, 1993, um, I applied and became a high school intern for Senator Stevens. Were you like
0: 10 years old or something?
1: Oh uh, Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>
0: 18.
1: Um, and I got to tell you, it was the most incredible experience in my life and really changed the trajectory of where I wanted to go with my life. It was kind of a transformative experience. Were you
0: into politics? I mean, you must have been a little bit because you went to this, applied for this internship.
1: Well, no, uh, I was kind of an argumentative child. So my parents had always said I was probably going to be a lawyer, but politics was actually not really, I wasn't really considering politics as a career. Um, but working for Senator Stevens and the way that he structured it is you actually had a full day where you shadowed him. So you followed him around all day, all his committee meetings, all of his constituent meetings. We went to the Pentagon and watching him work just. So you're meeting, you're meeting like me.
0: all kinds of U.S. senators.
1: Oh yeah. You're meeting all the U.S. senators. Um, at the time we met Bob Dole, uh, which was oh, nice. Yeah. Which is really Bob. fun. Remember when he fell? Yes. Oh my I gosh. Do. That was horrible. But he did speak in the third person, which was kind of funny. I've heard that, yeah, like yes. Bob
0: Dole thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So it was really an incredible experience and it kind of changed. I was already planning to go to college, but it kind of changed the direction of where I so you were my there my college for, career.
0: you were there for the summer?
1: For one, high school interns are there for one month and then college interns are there for the whole summer.
0: Okay, So, so I was there
1: one month, June, the month of June. 93. There. 93.
0: Wow! So you came back, and then you were heading to co- heading to college, or heading
1: to college? Yes, uh, did undergrad at Colorado State University. Um, oh,
0: Fort Collins. Fort Collins. My my roommate um, or my friend that I moved here with from New Mexico in '04. Okay, he, we grew up in New Mexico. He went to CU.
1: Oh, For Boulder. a year, and
0: I went up there a couple times, and I was there for one of the football games with uh, with you know University of Colorado. And man, that ri- rivalry is insane.
1: It is insane.
0: There were cops everywhere, because pre- previous years there was like riots and all kinds of crazy, like lighting couches on fire in the streets. And
1: Oh, wow. There was none of that when I was there, and it was actually, I was there kind of during the time where um, the football program was actually on the upward swing, right? Mm-hmm. So CU had been, the Boulder was the big school and our rivals, and we always lost to them. Well, when I was there, they started, CSU started winning. So it was really fun to go to those uh, football games. But there was no couch burning when I was there. I'm a little older than you. You went
0: to the games? I went to the games. You have a couple drinks?
1: Uh, Once I turned 21. Oh,
0: look at you. See? (laughs) You're smart. So you graduated, what, four years, I assume?
1: Yes, graduated for four years. Um, And when I was working for Senator Stevens, he told us that in order to work on policy in his office, you needed to be a lawyer. Because in Alaska, um, it was really important that you were able to read a law to figure out whether something was good or bad. Mm-hmm. So um, I focused on that in undergrad and did well, and so then went to law school in Washington, D.C. Which school? Which I went to uh, American University, Washington College of Law.
0: Reminds me of that scene in The Godfather 3 when he's trying to get, um, Vincent, the young one's trying to get the, you know, the Godfather to hire him as muscle. He's like, I don't need muscle. I need more lawyers. <laughs>
1: I, need, I actually, I, I haven't lawyers. seen that movie. You've never seen The Godfather three? No, I have not.
0: Have you seen one and two at least?
1: No, I don't. I'm sorry. You have to be Is kidding me. Is the interview over?
0: <laughs> I mean, I think we should end it right now, and you should go watch those movies and come back later. Oh my god! Anyways, there's a scene where he's like, this this nephew, he's trying to like, I want, I want to come work for you. You need more muscle. He's like, I don't need muscle. I need more lawyers. <laughs>
1: That's perfect. Although now there's too many lawyers in the world, maybe. I
0: read read a thing a couple years ago about some class action lawsuit, ironically, about a bunch of law school graduates who were suing their law schools because they had basically promised them, like, you borrow all this money, you pay all the money, you're going to have these jobs. Right. And there's there's more lawyers now every year than there is jobs for lawyers.
1: It's a problem. I mean, when I graduated law school um, in 2001... There was kind of a downward trend in terms of the jobs available, and people are taking out loans that are like a mortgage on a house. I mean, you're looking at $250,000 in student loans, and if you can't find a high paying job, medical school, too, the same kind
0: of thing. Even undergraduate people are borrowing. Were you there for 9 11 in DC?
1: I was in DC for 9 11. Oh, my gosh. I was.
0: Wow. Um,
1: How was that? It was pretty devastating. The problem is. kind of just like the earthquake here you don't really know what's going on you know because you're kind of living your life and you start hearing I, I had an appointment so I was getting ready at home and i heard on the radio that um, a plane had crashed in New York City and it which is devastating but there wasn't a lot of details so uh-huh. I go to my appointment and then they were saying that another plane had hit and that um, there was a plane headed for the Capitol, and then you hear about the Pentagon, and so,
0: holy shit!
1: And so, then I, I was in Alexandria, Virginia, so I'm actually five minute. I lived five minutes from the Pentagon at that time. Um, so phone lines were down. My parents were trying to get a hold of me. My husband was at work. Um, what, what did
0: he do? What was he doing?
1: So he worked for an uh, energy and engineering firm, Michael Baker. Okay, he's an IT guy. So. Uh, but his office was in Alexandria as well, a little further out. But um, it was pretty devastating um, Damn. to slowly get the information. And uh, so DC
0: must have been on like total lockdown after everything got out. It
1: was. It was. It reminded me. I had when I was in law school, um, I did a summer in uh, Moscow.
0: Oh really? And oh, I, I've I've spent a lot of time in Russia.
1: Oh, you have?
0: Did you yeah.
1: Uh, Nemanoga. N- N- <laughs> wow,
0: look at you.
1: Uh, but when I was there, I remember that they had tanks and people with machine guns kind of just roaming the streets. They're military, mm-hmm. right? They were their police. Um, oh, yeah. and I had never seen that before growing up in the United States, right? But after 9 11, you know, right around the Pentagon and towards the Capitol, you started seeing these armored Humvees. Um, you know, there was a lot. More beefed up presence that we in America are not used to. seeing. Yeah, no, I mean I've been
0: I've spent time in you know Ukraine, Russia, Central Asia, and you know it's common oh, yeah. to see guys with you know machine guns and right. all kind of just
1: just on the street things. corner.
0: China too. I've been in China, you know you got guys with guarding buildings with like SKSs and
1: you were in Chechnya, China. Oh, China. I, I yeah. was I
0: was actually though I was very close to Chechnya. I was in um the, I spent some time in the Caucasus and I went to like Cherchesia and my um some areas right near. Um, Sochi, the other side oh, of the mountain. Right, so I, I was right. there with some, I was in some kind of very unstable, but some areas that most tourists don't go to and right. with some friends and I was w- wanted to go to Chechnya and my buddy was going to take me, but he didn't, he was, didn't really want to go and I didn't want to go alone. Right.
1: Well, but probably a wise it's, choice. It's, way, it's actually
0: way safer now. I mean, it's, right. it's way, not, it's like the wars and stuff was way, used to be a lot more dangerous, but I really wanted to go because... Right. Plus, I got the beard, so I can kind of probably blend in a little bit.
1: Blend <laughs> in. As Muslim, yes. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, you know, yeah.
0: But I didn't okay. want to go by myself, so it's on my list, though, because they actually built this mosque there a couple of years ago, and I think it's, like, one of the biggest mosques in the world. Oh. It's huge. So they've really, like, rebuilt, you know, because the whole right. thing was kind of destroyed during those two wars. Right. I can't believe you were in Moscow. I didn't know. Were, were you was. going to, like, M.G.U.? Moscow's? Yes. Wow. Yes, I was there,
1: and then... Uh, what year? What year? 99... Oh, so you it, were, no, 98 or 99? So you were
0: in Russia in the 90s when it was really bad. Yeah, so really it was right bad. after. That's like the end of the really bad times.
1: So it was, and it was right when um, the Kosovo War started, right? And the United States and Russia were on opposing sides because Russia was supporting uh, Serbia at yeah. the time and the United States was supporting the Kosovars. So you, you were
0: there under Yeltsin? Because Putin, no, Putin was, I think, 2000 he got elected.
1: Yeah, Putin wasn't, yeah, the leader then. Must have been Yeltsin.
0: Boris, I'm you know, the guy who remember. would always yeah, eat, drink yeah, I and remember. party. Oh, and...
1: yeah. We have pictures in the foundation of Senator Stevens and Boris Yeltsin.
0: Oh, my God. Really?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, I need to get I need to see that.
1: That's right. We we can talk about that as, when we get to it, about what the foundation's doing. So we have some cool I things. just love this.
0: I can't believe you were in... My, how long you were there? For the whole summer?
1: Just Yeah, the summer. I think it was like six week. It was a six-week uh, law school program.
0: That's insane. So. I mean, especially in the... Because Russia, you know, most Americans don't realize after the Soviet Union collapsed, I mean, Russia went through 10 years of horrible you know just very bad times there was right. lack of supplies and right. there was a lot of corruption there was that's where all the oligarchs kind of made their money there right. was no you know judiciary it was kind of free for right. all and that's actually like, how Putin came around he kind of said hey I'm gonna come I'm gonna restore things and make things better right. people were so disenfranchised about 10 years of just horrible
1: well the thing is you know you're under communism for so long and and the wall comes down and you're ill-equipped to deal with a new kind of way of living a rule of law like there was no kind of slow progression right?
0: I think the the United States is is in some ways not responsible but I think we helped contribute to you know we bring down the wall you know end communism and then it was kind of like well let it roll free for all like let the markets work but there was no rule of law really happening and a lot of people you know because under communism uh, it was or under Soviet Union you know things weren't ideal but you had a house you had a job you had an right. apartment you know you had somewhere to live you had something to do right you had some level of stability and that kind of all went out the window for most people and that's why the conditions for putin were so ripe to you know because everything right. was so bad right he came in hot right interesting we could have a whole different,
1: <laughs> that's
0: a whole other <laughs> podcast. the russia
1: yeah the russia podcast russia cast
0: yeah. uh okay so someone you must have came back to alaska right uh after your
1: so uh once i graduated for from law school um i applied to work for senator Stevens. so i graduated from law school in 2001 finished my master's um that fall took the bar exam in early 2002 which you got
0: a law degree at a master's degree or yes like a dual i program? a joint yeah well, look at I you a joint pretty smart
1: I don't know about Jeez. that. I just really enjoyed being a professional student. <laughs> I, I miss. <laughs> I miss. You know, as much as once I hated
0: the work, I, I actually kind of miss just reading stuff and writing stuff and I know, talking it, about stuff.
1: It's kind of a nice schedule. You go to class, you set up some time to do your work, and then your day is kind of free, right? Yep. Depending on how efficient you Have are. A couple of drinks. I really enjoyed being a professional student, um, but by that point, I was married and I had been cut off from my dad. So.
0: <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. So then you you got job job with Stevens.
1: So I applied. um, You're like I
0: became a lawyer, dude.
1: Right i I didn't really say that to him in the interview with him. So first in the process, I interviewed with the then deputy chief of staff, um, who then apparently recommended me to Senator Stevens. So I went in for an interview with him, and I was also interviewing some other places, and um, he offered me the job on the spot, which I was not anticipating. What was the job? To be a legislative assistant. So one of the lawyers handling policy uh, in the office in D.C. So that was in the summer of 2002.
0: Wow. So that was um, just when things were starting to get real interesting in Alaska politics.
1: Right. Right. But um, at the time, Senator Stevens was chairman of appropriations. um, Or maybe we were in the minority at that time. But he was either the chair... um,
0: he was pro tem for, for a while, wasn't he? He was pro tem. So did he have guard, he had guards at that point? He or?
1: did, yeah. So the Capitol Police, uh, when you're the president pro tem, because you're then in the line of succession. You're, I
0: think, fourth in line, right?
1: Well, it depends on president, when you speaker. start. The president, vice president, speaker, yeah, and the, then president pro tem. Right, yeah, president, right. vice
0: president, uh, speaker, pro- yeah, pro tem, yeah.
1: right. So, uh, which is actually really great for the staff, because we knew that the senator was taken care of.
0: <laughs> no one's going to mess with him.
1: <laughs> That's right. Not that anyone would mess with him, anyways, but
0: I I, I didn't know him super well. I got involved in '08. I went to the convention. I was kind of a big Ron Paul oh, guy. Oh, okay. So I went to the convention at the Cook, and I was hooked up with these kind of some 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 of them were kind of out there people, and you know it was like like NAFTA and like they're treating that like they're going to be spying and you know monitoring oh, wow. us and all this kind of like you know real ID and all these different things where people were talking about. So um, I had seen him at the convention and. I bumped into him, you know. and I, didn't, right. I knew who he was, obviously, but I right. didn't ever meet him. And I said, Senator Stevens, I said, I, I want to ask you. I said, do you support this real ID? Th- this is when the real ID thing started right. really being a thing. I go, do you support this real ID? Uh, and he goes, yes, I do. And I go, well, wh- wh- why? I'm like 24 or something. I go, why? I go, they're trying to monitor us. They're trying to like, you know, RFID track us. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, and somebody was with him. And he's like, hold on a second, hold on a second. And he pulls out his wallet and he like... Hey, yeah, this and that. He goes, you see this? You see this? And he showed me this card. That's my capital ID card. Okay. That's that's what I used to get on the capital. Are they tracking me? What do you, th- what do you think? Okay. It's fine. Like, stop being paranoid. You know? And I'm just like, oh my God. Like, just the way he talked, you know, yeah. he didn't give a shit. <laughs> he just pulls it in my, he's like, what? Do you, what? What, do you, what is this? Are they tracking me?
1: <laughs> so he was, you know, because he fought in World War II. He was a World War II pilot, yeah. right? So he kind of had little, for conspiracy theories, he wasn't big on conspiracy theories, right? I got, yeah,
0: I got the vibe on that,
1: right? But he also, which he couldn't talk about as chair of defense appropriations, knew exactly what was going on, you know, with all the budgets and what the federal government, the U.S. government, was and was not doing. So when he said, "You think they're tracking you," he he knew what he was talking about.
0: So you eventually. You worked in DC for how long? You worked in DC for so
1: I worked for him from uh, 2002 through um, 2009, January of 2009, oh, so in- nine, when he, he left was- office. Yeah. yeah. So seven, Okay. So, so but try. my husband and I um, moved home in the fall of 2007. So um, in DC, I was his legislative assistant, and then uh, his legislative director, and then we moved home, and I became his deputy chief of staff. Uh, for Senator Stevens here in Alaska.
0: Who was chief of staff, of Uh
1: George Lowe okay. in D.C.
0: Okay. So you were kind of coming back and running the show here, huh?
1: Well, we had a state director, Jim Egan, who you probably met. Yeah, oh, yeah. Great guy. So we had different roles, So he, which was fine with me, so I was a little more on the policy side, and he was more making sure that the wheels didn't come off <clears> the <throat> bus. Of <laughs> so making sure constituents were happy, managing all the state offices, so.
0: So then, obviously he was out of office and then he tried to the plane crash, and and then um, the Ted Stevens Foundation started, when did that start?
1: So it actually started while he was still in office. Um, So after 40 years of being U.S. Senator, and prior to that, he was both in the state legislature, in Mm -hmm. the Alaska State House, um, and he worked for the Department of Interior eventually as a solicitor, which is their lead lawyer so he had boxes of Docu- papers documents. documents right which really kind of shows the the history of alaska right from statehood into today um and so we all knew that there was there needed to be something established to deal with the papers after he left office and so the foundation was established back in 2001 um, Mostly to handle the papers. Kind of like almost like a
0: library, presidential, like they yeah. the library is all there. But not
1: kind of that big and grand. He just, but, you know, people wrote him all the time. So we have thousands of boxes of casework where somebody writes to Senator Stevens saying, I'm not getting my Social Security or I can't get a passport. Well, or... like my
0: friend Ryan McKee, you know Ryan? I know Ryan. So he said Ted had helped him in his and adop- he was adopted from, I think it was, was it Guatemala? He was, you know, adopted. Right. And, and his parents here adopted him and uh he told us told the story about how Ted Stevens basically like helped him help the family get like facilitate the adoption oh, wow. there were some some problems with i guess i forget this exact story but he had like gotten got involved and helped out.
1: Yeah, so we have all of those documents but so one of the our jobs is to go through and make sure that you know you want to open it to the public but obviously those kind of private things with social security numbers and those kinds of things you don't want those out there in the public. So part of our job and why the foundation was established is to go through and make sure that those things were called out, but all the important. So have you gone through that? stuff. Have so you, we're doing that now. Have so, you gone
0: through and, and been like, oh my God, look at that. Wow. Look at that letter. Like, oh, oh my God.
1: Yeah. Like, there's a lot of big, time. Our Ar- archival team. Yeah. Just so
0: like some, you know, like, I don't know, some head of state or something or.
1: Oh yeah. So, I mean, there's been, there are issues of um, parental abductions um, that Senator Stevens was involved with and, um, there was one case where somebody wrote to Senator Stevens because the federal government had um, taken over, taken their plane because they were um, transporting cannabis between uh, Alaska and Canada. Ooh. And so they wanted Senator Stevens to get their plane back. You know, so there's lots of interesting stories. No, that was one that he, uh, Sorry, he didn't fight for. I want to intervene yeah.
0: here, but I really can't do that. I know. I did a a few podcasts with Frank Murkowski, and one of the stories he told me was how he got got these kids back from Vietnam. Oh wow! This woman was in Fairbanks, and after the you know the people left after the war, and her kids were there, and she kind of begged him to to help get them back, and he was over there, and he basically was where the kids were, and he found them, and and then he like basically told the foreign ministry he was going to take them, and there were kind of like some arguments, and he basically grabbed the kids and was like, "U.S. Senator coming through, excuse me," and like put him on the plane and he, he told me he was like i just really hope we have the right damn kids <laughs> but he said he like put him on the plane basically smuggled him back you know and now i think one's one's a nurse and one's in the military i mean this is like in the 80s he's
1: so this. cool yeah he's like that's such a frank story he's like sometimes so- when you say
0: u.s senator coming through they move up they move aside <laughs> i was like oh my god <laughs> smuggling you
1: probably don't hear about that today i don't know but he, yeah, he's, done a few po- cool. he's done a
0: few podcasts and I wish he's and if got senator, great stories. If senator Stevens was still around. Imagine those podcasts.
1: Oh, he was a great storyteller. Oh man. The boss was. Yeah.
0: So yeah. you when did you get involved with like the your role in the foundation?
1: So uh, I started with the foundation in twenty thirteen. So it was a couple of years after the senator passed. And that'd be twenty ten, right? Yes, in two thousand ten. And uh, the papers we're obviously still focused but after his death it really became clear to us that he while the papers are an important part of our history and are an important teaching tool he was a lot more than just the papers so how can we expand the mission of the foundation to utilize the papers as a teaching tool right mm-hmm. cuz we've all seen in politics both you know nationally and on the state level there's a divide Right and really? sometimes I, I, didn't, uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't notice. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what Senator Stevens, when he was in office, really tried to do is always bridge that divide. Right. He Senator Stevens was a proud Republican but he always worked across party lines. And he even said that some of his biggest pieces of legislation were accomplished when he was in the minority because he worked with the Democrats and like Magnuson Stevens Act, oh. Title IX. I mean, these are huge bills, the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act. All of those things passed when he was in the minority. Um, so he always knew the importance of working across party lines. He didn't think bipartisanship or compromise were dirty words. So. Part of our goal now, what we want to try and do, is how do you use the papers as a teaching tool where you show the future leaders, like, here was a problem, and here's how Senator Stevens, in working with local stakeholders and others, uh, was able to accomplish legislation that is still in existence today and still, you know, making positive benefits in our society.
0: How do you think Senator Stevens would be uh, treated by the modern day Republican kind of machine where, you know, if, if you're compromising or if you're working with a lot of times, that's like reason to admonish people, you know? Right. I mean, he seems like he was le- way different kind of Republican than the modern day where the party is kind of going.
1: And I think part of the problem is, and it, it started happening actually when the senator was still in office. So we talk about it internally. Um, That he really saw where people were starting to, he called it legislating by soundbite. Like they were so interested in getting on the Sunday talk shows, Mm -hmm. you know, that they forgot to develop relationships internally. Um, I don't know how he would be treated now, because there is still respect in the institution of Congress, right? For kind of the elder statesmen, right? And The way Senator Stevens worked, he was not a horse trader. Like, he wasn't like, oh, if you want this, you have to give me this. When he was in a position of power, if someone came to him, like when he was chair of appropriations and said, I need this project, it's important to my state and my constituents, Senator Stevens would look at the budget and look at the project and say, if it's important to you, I'll put it in the bill. And then that was it, right? Maybe
0: like a little wink, wink, wink. No, no, never a wink, wink. wink.
1: And even, you know, sometimes the staff would – would be um, upset with another member maybe in the House or another senator and say, oh, you know, they really kind of screwed us over on Anwar or something else, so why don't we strip out these projects? And he was like, "Whoops, <laughs> yeah, oh, we're just... <laughs> line item. He said, if you do that, I will fire you. He's like, that's not how we play the game. So my hope is that he... Him being there along with a couple others that he worked with... Would have been able to moderate what's he, he happening was, he, there.
0: He was pretty close with uh, Daniel Inouye, right, Senator Inouye. Oh,
1: they were best friends.
0: And he was Democrat from Hawaii. Yes, but they were—they both were. Um, world War II two veterans, right? Right. right. And um, I remember when he when he when he died. Um, I, w- I was working for this company. I would gotten kind of involved in political world, but I went to the the funeral there. And, oh, yeah. And I was couldn't, like, Joe Biden was there, Absolutely. and Mitch McConnell was there. I mean, everybody was. Like, everybody was here. Right. It was. It was. It was like there was like spillover room you know it was so there was so many people were there
1: and it was at the abt Mm -hmm. so which is a huge venue yeah
0: i I wasn't even i wasn't like i got there i was in like a separate room with a a big screen okay because there were so many people that were there was but it was like a lot of people came for that i mean both sides of the aisle you know big names
1: right that's the thing even now and joe biden's running for president obviously but we have alerts when somebody brings up senator steven's name and you know in the paper or something. Like a Google alert? Like a Google alert. And um, Joe Biden, whenever he's going around making a speech, he's talking about bipartisanship and he'll raise his friendship with Senator Stevens. And they developed a close bond because um, Senator Stevens lost his first wife, Yeah, and, and so,
0: did, so did Joe Biden, right? And,
1: and so when Joe lost his wife...
0: Was that similar? I think Stevens now, must, must have been a lot earlier, right?
1: Stevens was a lot earlier. Um, but when Joe lost his... Wife, uh, Senator Stevens was there and, you know, helped him through that. He lost so his kid, some kids too, his right? His daughter. Yeah. yeah. So his two boys lived, and then, um, but he lost his wife and his daughter. So, yeah. And so those shared experiences really helped shape relationships in Congress back then. Now, um, nobody lives in D.C. anymore, right? Because they all want to say that, oh, I live, you know, in my home I state. I don't live in the swamp. Right. And which is kind of, unfortunate for building relationships to actually get stuff done.
0: Because in the past, I know some people told me that, like you said, they'd live there. Their kids would go to school there. They'd actually be, that's where they kind of, they come back home right? for, you know, during breaks and talk to people, but they'd kind of, and now it's, like you said, it's few people, fewer of them live there.
1: Well, and they're only in session, what, three days, three and a half days a week. So how many relationships can you spend if you're there Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday?
0: I don't know. I I feel like if you're from Alaska or Washington or if you're from West Coast, I mean, I could see if you're, you know, West Virginia or like New York. Okay, you could just get on the bus or the train or something. But, but otherwise, it's like Alaska for for example, you have to go. That's a all day flight.
1: Right. Twelve. It's twelve hours traveling, which is why. You know, even our current delegation, they're up here at least twice a month, even when the Senate's in session. That's a 12 hour trip each way. So, and they're flying home to Alaska, and then they're getting on another plane, and they're flying out to Mm -hmm. rural Alaska, right? And then they're turning back around. It's very,
0: very very taxing. It's really taxing. I did a podcast with Don Young last year, and he told me this funny story where basically he said he got elected, and he came back, and he goes, You know, I, I learned something about the press at that point because I had flown back and back then it was even longer, right? In right. the seventies. So he goes like came back, you know, and he goes, like, I drank the plane dry. <laughs> and he goes he goes like he goes, like, I got off and there was a whole bunch of press there. And at the time Nixon, you know, was very popular in Alaska and Right. There was Watergate was starting to happen and, and he'd been asked about that and with Nixon and um I guess he was I think he was asked about his opponent and his opponent said something about Nixon. And he goes, well, you know, you can, you
1: can,
0: you can tell him I'll shoot him from the saddle. And I didn't, I never heard that before. And he goes, the next day they put in the paper that Don Young threatens to shoot opponent. Oh and my goodness! That's when I learned about the press. But I go, what's shoot him from the saddle? And basically, it's like a. Ter- have You heard this? No. It's like a term. So if you're a cowboy, you know, you're you're so you're 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 so unworried or unconcerned about the person, you just pull out the gun. Okay. When, when you're still riding, you don't even bother stopping.
1: Oh, okay. So that's
0: kind of His shoot
1: him as you're but, riding by. Yeah. Okay. So you
0: don't even stop because you don't even care. So he's like, I'll shoot him from the saddle. But he's like, I learned two things: don't 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 drink on the plane on the way back, and don't tell the press some some certain things or they'll they'll flip it around yeah. on you. It's pretty funny.
1: I don't know if he's taken his own advice, for, you know, on mm, some things.
0: No, I don't think so.
1: But Don has been amazing for Alaska. I mean, our sole congressman. I mean, when you think about
0: forty-five, forty-six years.
1: Yeah, but when you think about the heavy lift that he has to do, so you have two senators. It's all equal in the Senate, right? He's one guy in the House, so whatever we did in the Senate, he'd have to yeah, I think only do six, the heavy lift in the House.
0: I think only six states are single district, like Wyoming, Alaska, right. I think maybe Vermont, and there's a few other ones that are right. single district. So Don Young and Ted Stevens were, were pretty close too, right?
1: They were very close, Yes they worked really well together and don young tells a funny story so obviously we have the magnuson stevens fisheries conservation act right which has senator stevens name on it which
0: which one in the podcast don was like that's my bill
1: that absolutely that's my damn bill well and don tells a story which is you know totally true that he the the president was against that bill and henry kissinger who was the secretary of state at the time was like this is a horrible bill for the United States, right? So Don had to convince them on a trip to Alaska. He told
0: me on the airplane, right? Yeah, on on the airplane. Him and Ford. Right. And on the podcast, Don told me he was like, Mr. You know he's like Kissinger. He he does the impression. He's a like, Mister President. If he cannot afford, and he's <laughs> like doing right. the impression. I'm right. Like, oh my God! And then he's like, I told that globalist. Listen to me. We're going to control our damn fish and our damn waters. Right. You hear me? And
1: right. Like, oh my God. Right. But that's it. so. He was working on a companion bill in the House while Senator Stevens and Warren Magnuson were working on it in the Senate. And Senator Stevens um, was a Republican. Warren Magnuson was a Democrat who is the chair of the Commerce Committee. Where is he from? He's from Washington. And um, he said, you know, this fishing is really a problem. Ted, you need to start going over to all these like international conferences, right? Where Senator Stevens is always like, oh, it's just a bunch of talk, which it usually is, right? They all get, all these world leaders get together and stuff and talk about stuff. Pat and each other on the back. You're, right. you're doing so good. Right, and they weren't resolving it. I mean, we had fishing trawlers that you could see out of Anchorage. Yeah, and no, Cook Inlet.
0: Don Young told me, Serbians, Chinese, Russians—oh, yeah—they would just Yugoslavians would just yeah, come yeah. in and scoop up.
1: Oh, absolutely! And so, um, finally, they were like, "Well, the international community is not doing anything, so we're going to have to do something, right?" So, um, Senator Stevens and and uh, Congressman Young worked together on that bill, but it was named after.
0: I have to ask you about. Boss, um, I have to, to ask your honest, honest, honest question here about the statue at the yes. airport. Is it have Have you ever heard? It's it's I like it. But it's also it's a little bit creepy. Do you ever, really, no. I don't know. Just because it's like a I, person, and he's there, and you're. I don't know. I, just, I like it, but it's also kind of like. Oh, I feel like he's like, kinda looking at me. Or, have you, yeah, heard, you have you got that feedback or? No,
1: I I actually read one comment, and it, I think it was probably in your blog, right? Or maybe it was. I think it was the Alaska the stalker. stalker. Yeah, yeah. Yes, somebody, in so, her blog. So
0: yeah, somebody. She wrote the column for us and for me, and and she does it every week. And somebody yeah. told her, and uh, I had heard it separately. They so said it's just kind of. You know, it's, it's no, like
1: a, I have not heard that. But we, at least on a daily basis, will get like a text, or someone will post on Instagram. You know, they're like, "Here's me with the." Text. Everyone
0: takes a picture with it. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of people post. Pic- yeah, pictures. What
1: we've heard is it's kind of inspiring and maybe creepy because it really it really looks like him. No, it looks maybe That's what pretty they, re- pretty. It's real.
0: Real, you know, realistically. So
1: you, but you want people to go up and be like, you know, hey, boss. What do we need to do, right? Like,
0: for, you for want a, that
1: connection for Alaska, like for our future, especially right now, like you for, know, for
0: a while. People, I think it stopped now, but there was big. It was on, mostly on Twitter, but people were putting the recall, you know, in the hands. Extending oh yeah, it. yeah. They were putting the recall Dunleavy stickers on oh, the boy, hand. They, they were, were like, oh, gosh. it was like all over. It yeah. was like a big Twitter thing, you know. Yeah,
1: was, we've seen coffee cups in the hand. Uh, someone put a wine glass in there. Nice. I don't know how they got it down there, but um, Snuck it in. Yeah, but Senator Stevens enjoyed his wine, so he'd probably appreciate that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, go, I mean, going forward, you're do I mean, you guys, what's the main mission or role at this point of the, of the foundation?
1: So we kind of have several different tracks. So um, obviously it's to honor his legacy. So that's kind of legacy projects. Like the statue is um, in Juneau. There's a plaque dedicated to the senator um, in Juneau, and we're working on a portrait for the U.S. Capitol because since Senator Stevens was a president pro tem, he gets a portrait in the U.S. Capitol. Oh, really? Part, part of the U.S. Senate where, leadership where, series. Where, where does it go? We don't know. I mean, that's up to the curator and others. So we're working on that. So so we're working on kind of those legacy projects to kind of remind people. So how, how does that
0: work? Stuff. You find an artist and then...
1: Right, how, yes. How much
0: does that cost? It probably costs a lot, doesn't it?
1: It, it costs some amount of money. Because I, I,
0: I, I had a painting. It's a long story. I don't want to go into it, but I have a painting oh, no. of myself. I'll show it. I'll Do show, okay. you want to see it? Sure. It's uh. Let me pull it up here. I'll keep talking, but uh, it's a, it's an oil painting. I found an okay. uh, a, a artist. I looked around to... I'm a Sagittarius, you know, so I okay. wanted the centaur. Right. You know, and I tried so to are find... So you
1: half Jeff and half centaur?
0: Yes, I am. Okay. Absolutely. But I tried okay. to find a local, like, well-known, right. and they wanted, like, five grand.
1: You know, oh, They yeah. wanted a
0: lot. So I ended, ended up finding an art student, which is um, a very long story of how that happened, and it was... That's a separate... A pod- local art student? Yes, yeah, so that's a separate okay. podcast, but... Uh, it took a while it took about a year for him to do it and
1: so did you pose for it
0: no, well i just gave him my pictures but okay but folks, just describe what you're seeing right there i mean zo- go ahead and zoom in
1: oh wow you have hair
0: yeah oh yeah and
1: so you have long flowing hair it's it, kind of like a and the
0: the, the the muscles are a very accurate portrayal but of me are as well they? Yes,
1: yes i see quite a few yes so muscles but, and okay but, and in a forest running through a forest so exactly, it's not with, just with, you with, with,
0: the, with, the, with the with the archer with the bow right Pretty That's amazing. really
1: nice. You, you have a lot of you have a lot of hair on your head, but no facial hair. Well, when when you uh, are when you
0: you know pay for your own painting, then you can have them do whatever. That's right. You want
1: hence the muscles. But the
0: point is, I can't even imagine how much an actual portrait right. thing would probably a lot. Right. Is
1: well, we have a local that? artist. Uh, well, he grew up in Alaska. Dean Larson um, is the artist that we commissioned um, for that. And same with the statue, we had a local artist. Uh, Joan Jackson out of Cordova. Yeah, I heard, I heard about that. And Mike Weber, who designed the tie. Um, so we wanted to do something local. So um, we'll keep you guys posted oh, on, yeah, when's that. gonna? one second. Um, it's coming along so that, you know, it's all part of negotiations with the Senate and the will, artists. Will, will there be everything. an unveiling? There will be an unveiling. Who's
0: gonna pull down the, the I, cloth? You know,
1: it's all managed by the Senate. So unlike, you know, the statue at the airport, a lot of things are out of our hands, so. So will but the that's something we're excited about? Will in the unveiling DC? be
0: in? Oh, it won't be It'll here.
1: It'll be in DC. Damn. Yeah.
0: But it's being painted here.
1: Well, the artist now lives in California, but he grew up here.
0: I should go down he there. He also
1: and... painted um, the portrait of the center that's in the cap- state capitol building. Oh, I've, I've, yeah, I've, 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 I've seen. I've, yes. I was there last yeah. session, so
0: I wonder yeah. if I get like a sneak peek. Probably not.
1: No, you're not allowed. Hop
0: in there, probably, probably yeah. under lock and key.
1: It's under lock and key.
0: Well I appreciate you doing the podcast I mean I, you got to oh. keep me updated on this stuff and I was at the uh, unveiling of the statue oh, that was yes. a pretty pretty I mean uh, governor was there all, th- all Lisa McCkowski was there Dan Sullivan was there Don everybody was there Don young was there absolutely
1: Willie did the benediction which was really mm-hmm. nice yeah
0: it was a packed event
1: it was a packed event uh, I, really I gotta well. say
0: the after party upstairs was um, it was a great spread
1: oh perfect was, they did a great job you know when we were trying to figure out how it was going to work. Um, cause obviously it's inside security and then how do you have an after party? I wasn't even aware that they had that, that huge that, I lounge I, I, I don't think I've
0: been there before either. It was a huge, I mean, you could probably fit hundreds of people up right. there and the food and the drinks. The
1: food was remarkable. I mean, they knocked it out of the park. So if anybody ever needs to have an event, who, hold it at the airport. Who did the food? It's and I'm in a space right now. I'm gonna have to let you know, and you're gonna have to add it to oh, your. I'll podcast. add it
0: afterwards, but um, it was it was a good um yeah, it was a good event. Yeah, Thanks for they also me. do
1: Denina. They also do the catering at Denina.
0: Okay, It's the uh, rubber chicken. Sometimes you get there.
1: Yeah, but this was no, a d- this way was different. Like, this was a different so, level. Yeah,
0: it's like crab cakes. And, right.
1: Whoo. Thank you, Conoco Phillips, for your sponsorship of the reception. Let's
0: give a big <laughs> big shout out to Conoco Phillips.
1: Good
0: yeah. thing it's not BP because uh, they just announced today I, that they're uh, they're out.
1: I know, devastated. We're losing Nordstroms and now BP. I'm,
0: What's next? You know.
1: I have no idea. It's really oh, awful. I hope it's not Musa's so, tooth. I know. Well, Jeff, you're the collection right now because there's private things in it is closed. Um, but if you ever want a tour of our office, we have a lot of memorabilia, Hulk gloves, and those kinds. Definitely want to come and definitely want to see some of those see. files. Well, when they're open, you just can just some see of the,
0: them. Just yeah. give me just give me a fi- few minutes in there. I'll leave. show
1: you pictures. Yeah,
0: I want to see the Yeltsin picture. Yeah. Okay, well, um, Karina Walner, thank you for coming over and doing the podcast.
1: You're very welcome.
0: Um, Be in touch and keep us updated on any kind of developments with the Foundation so I can tell my my, uh, readers and listeners.
1: Absolutely, thanks for having me on.
0: Okay, folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast with me, let me know and we'll talk to you next time.